Muppets. Hi, this is Lee Ehrenberg, and you know me from both Pirates of the Caribbean and as Grumpy on ABC's Once Upon a Time. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. It's long and busted. This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? It's a free show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 170. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here tonight at the Sci-Fi Diner to serve up all sorts of sci-fi. We have some delicious specialties that we're serving. Cook Joe's in the kitchen. How you doing, Miles? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I am absolutely awesome. Um, it's been some good. There's been some endings. There's been some new stuff. And... Mm. Uh, a lot of good things going on in the world of sci-fi. Right, and a lot of good things coming up in the world of sci-fi. Oh, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about a lot of those things. And mm-hmm. uh, Miles, in the past week, what what, do you, what have you been into? Um, Glad Leviathan Chronicles is back. I was listening to that on the way up here, and that, that was really good. Um, last week's revolution, I was we've been kind of like saying this show is probably on its last leg and maybe it is, but I thought the last week's episode was actually pretty good. There were some interesting twists and turns that, um, I thought were really interesting. And the question becomes, is it a little too little too late? You know, I don't know if it'll save the show, but maybe the rest of the season will be, Uh, maybe it depends on what it costs a show to be made. That's true. What, what is it? I mean, I I haven't seen how it's doing in the ratings. No, I didn't look at it either. So that's something to, you know, consider also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, watch the um, try and get caught up on some of the movies last summer that I couldn't see. But so we, we did see um, Men in Black Three. Uh, my wife and I. Oh, that's right. We got that off on Netflix. It was an enjoyable flight. It was and not as good as the first one, but I enjoyed it. Much better than the second one, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> much better than the second one. And I also watched recently um, uh, the new Total Recall with uh, with Colin Farrell. I didn't think that was bad. I know people kind of panned it, but I liked it. I liked it too. I I, I thought good treadmill movie. Uh, a lot of good action. Uh, I thought the premise was was very interesting. Um, it had it had flying cars, had robotic stormtroopers. I mean, what, else, what more could you want? I mean, I mean come on. <laughs> so yeah. So if you haven't seen those movies, listeners, that's maybe something to put on your list. Yeah. So, so you, you enjoy them. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just trying to catch up on some of the mo- some of the movies I haven't seen last from last year. I'm in. Uh, I'm enjoying Leviathan Chronicles, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a confession. I did buy season two. Oh, uh, and so it is. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. It is awesome. It is awesome. It is great. I'm up to chapter thirty-two, and it is awesome. 
So, mm-hmm. so it is. Uh, it's well worth the money spent if you're going. If you don't, if you don't want to wait for Leviathan Chronicles, mm-hmm. um, it's every two weeks. So. It's, every, it's every two weeks, and mm-hmm. uh, you can just watch. You can just listen to the first half of the season now. Sure, just uh, nineteen dollars. It's not that terrible for an audiobook, and you're and getting, you're getting. Oh, you know. At least you know ten, twelve, fifteen hours of content and mm-hmm. for an audiobook. That's not that's that's average. And you're helping support them. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm into that right now. Still into Game of Thrones. I am so close to finishing Game of Thrones book five. By the next mm-hmm. time we podcast, I promise we will be. I will be through it. Okay. Um, and I'll be on to Terry Brooks or something else oh, okay. that I want to be reading. So. I finished uh, season two of Game of Thrones not too not too long ago. I'm oh, very good. Now you have season three. So yeah, uh, out the wait a year or so for the DVDs yeah, to come out. Yeah. DVDs to get out or mm-hmm. find someone that can. I don't know. You get them to me somehow. Yeah, get them to you somehow. But mm-hmm. um, you know, other than that, I haven't, I haven't watched a ton of sci-fi. I mean, I'm up on Arrow. There was no new Arrow last week, so right. didn't watch that. And the week before that, enjoyed that one. It was mm-hmm. the whole Vertigo thing and the mm-hmm. twist in that was kind of interesting and. Um, it's just it continues to be a very solid show. I'm I'm watching Doctor Who. Finally, I broke down and bought the season because they didn't have it in Hulu Plus or anything like that. So I said I'm going to watch Doctor Who. I enjoy Doctor Who. It's always a breath of fresh air. And I, you know, I decided this kind of um, on on a whim yesterday to to buy the season. I'm up through the. Uh, I'm in the middle of season of episode three, which I think it's currently where they're at. And well, the thing that I love about Doctor Who is that Doctor Who does not require you to do some of the mental gymnastics you have to do with some shows. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say it's poorly written or anything like that. It's just more of a sci-fi comedy adventure type thing. It's, mm-hmm. um, and I think especially especially in light of what happened yesterday in Boston, who obviously our thoughts are are with those people oh, up there sure. that are kind of reeling with it. I thought of a. Kevin Batchelder, who's you know in the Boston area, and mm-hmm. just how it impacts some of the people that that he might know. So, um, you know, with tuning into Sci-Fi, our thoughts are with that podcast and uh, anyone that was running with the marathon and or people that were involved with that. It's just kind of a it's a frightening event. I obviously am very closely connected to the whole marathon scene, just having run them and continuing to plan on running them. And, right. Um, it's uh, it's it just gives you pause certainly, but Doctor Who kind of you know after seeing image after image after image yesterday, it was kind of nice just to kind of tune in tune into a sci-fi show. They didn't have to, I guess, step out and say, well, I, I don't need to delve into this all the time because a lot of it was just the same imagery again and again mm-hmm. and again. So okay, but. You didn't know anyone in Boston, uh, Kevin. No, I don't have any family or yeah. friends in Boston. I didn't either, but I, mm-hmm. I we had a teacher at our school that had that that ran and crossed the finish line, but we you know when it mm-hmm. happened. But anyways, so anyways, our thoughts are with them, and uh, by the way, by all, if you can in any way support what's going on, the efforts to kind of help people out there, that'd be great. Sure. So, and here's tonight's menu. Uh, well, let's move into our menu. Sure. Well, in this week's menu, um, we have a in, in TV news. Uh, Ron Moore's got a new show coming out. Um, we'll talk about it later, and we'll have the first trailer for his series Helix. And you, you found uh, some news about how the new sci-fi show Defiance did. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I should say I, I did watch the f- first hour of it, and I like it. Two-hour premiere. It was a two-hour premiere. Yeah. Nice. So, so a lot of good content. Um, and movie news, uh, the, uh, 
the new Hunger Games uh, sequel, Catching Fire. There's a trailer for that. We'll be we'll be playing that. This week's twist, and I, I promise you, folks, this will be the last one. <laughs> I was told it was the last one, but we have one more Star Trek Into Darkness trailer. Wow. Some new no, you don't say. I don't say. We've never played a Star Trek trailer in this show before, Miles. I thought it would be good to do it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So we might as well. Just in case you have never heard of this movie that's coming out, we're going to share this with you. So some more scenes in there. And... Um, some Trek authors were nominated for, uh, for for some literature awards. So oh, absolutely! About that, and our interview. Uh, we'll have our interview with Lee Ehrenberg that um, um, Dave Moulton and myself uh, did at Farpoint this past yeah, year. Yeah, Once Upon a Time and mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek alum. Mm-hmm. And our Sci-Fi Five of Five. Since we're be doing our Sci-Fi Rewind with um, uh, the movie The Fifth Element, I found some good uh, Fifth Element quotes. Yeah, you'll hear you'll probably hear some of the same ones when we get to the actual show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, well, Miles, thank you so much. That sounds like an awesome menu. I think so. Yeah, so hopefully you're hungry tonight, hungry for some sci-fi. So, you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Last time we asked you... uh, so, so Peter Weller is in the new Star Trek Into Darkness movie, but what other Star Trek project did he guest star in? Ooh. Mm-hmm. I know because the answer's right in front of me, Miles. Right, but we're not going to tell anybody. No, 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 not yet. <laughs> and uh, rumor has it that um, they get some cool loot by answering this. They get some cool loot, some good Greek geek, geek cred, but um, we have a great autographed picture of Lee Ehrenberg that he was uh, kind enough to give to us at the, at the last off Point convention. And I believe that 100-page comic books? Oh, yes. There? We're going to throw that in, too. So we have a 100-page spectacular uh, Star Trek comic book that, w- that was put out from last winter. We'll, we'll give that away as a prize. Awesome. And it is in awesome condition. It is. Yep. Uh, so awesome. And if they answer this, they must include what? Well, we have a code word because the spammers are always trying to uh, get Take us. your prizes. They're all just trying to steal your prizes away from you. So, so you got to include the code word. Yes. So the, the code word is parlay. Parlay. Mm-hmm. I like saying it. it. makes it sound like French. Parlay. It probably is French. Probably is French, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Miles, for sharing the trivia tonight. You're welcome. And uh, why don't we move into our first promo tonight? So we have not talked uh, – well, we, we haven't talked about these guys for a while, but uh, let me, let's do the Megapodzilla podcast. Okay. Really should have these guys on sometimes to do something collaborative because I think they're in Philadelphia. They're pretty close by. Okay. But they – uh, they've been putting out some pretty good interviews. In fact, um, their most recent interview, talking about Defiance, they interviewed Jesse Rath from Sci-Fi's new series, Defiance. Cool. So they end up landing an interview uh, with him, and uh, and they have a couple of interviews that are just down through that are just worth your while to check out the Megapodzilla podcast. So let me go ahead and play the promo, and then uh, you can tune in and check them out and support their show as well. Radioactive robot lizard, but with horn rimmed glasses and a pocket protector. <laughs> That's nerdy. We're on the rampage, laying waste to the geek landscape. We'll talk movies, TV, comics, toys, video games. And sometimes we talk turkey. Don't you mean chicken? <laughs> That's right. So check us out at megapodzilla.com. We're also available on iTunes and the Zoom Marketplace. Aw, yeah. <laughs> 
for your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. Well, let's move into our news tonight, Miles. So our first bit of TV news is we're talking about Ron Moore's new series, Helix. Ooh. So tell me about Helix. So, something- so I, I saw this come through the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, anything with Rodney Moore's name attached to it, I'm kind of excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he put out that one was a virtuosity or... Right. Um, I think it was that's what or, called. Virtuality. Uh, or virtuality or something. There was something mm-hmm. in that, and it didn't do well. Right. Didn't do well. I, and I watched it. I enjoyed it, but it just didn't hold together real well. Um, but uh, this obviously... This could be that. This could be um, a winner for for for. Uh, well, we hope we hope for Rondi Moore's right. sake. So something really really creepy is going on the, in this first trailer for Ron Moore for Battlestar Galactica new sci-fi series Helix. The network has revealed the first peak of Moore's the Thing esque series, which follows a team of several dozen scientists working at a large Arctic research facility. The scientists apparently stumble upon something that could potentially destroy the world, leading to a terrifying life and death struggle that holds to a key to man's kind, um, salvation, or total annihilation. The teaser sets the scene with a slow pan through uh, snowy landscaping, offering a peek at the research base, and then we cut to a pristine whitewashed research lab where the scientist takes off his mask to reveal something creepy looking on his face. Well, what is with the black ooze? So we'll play this, and uh, I guess Scott and I will... And we'll comment on it. We'll comment on it. We'll comment on it. So, so here's the trailer for Helix. Okay, so this trailer really doesn't say a whole lot. All you heard was music if you were listening to this. It may have been better to call it a teaser than a trailer. It is very much of a teaser. And mm-hmm. um, a few thoughts as I watch this. First of all, they're obviously they're at, they're obviously promoting this as this is from the the producer of Battlestar Galactica uh, and from the producers of Contact and Lost. I mean, Contact's an old movie, right? right. Jodie Foster mm-hmm. and Matthew McConaughey, you know, they travel to the far distant stars. This is Carl Sagan's story, right? Mm-hmm. And and so they're kind of panning at that, and you're in Antarctica, and you're in a research lab, and the guy turns, and he has, for you X-File fans out there, he has, he has a black oil dripping out of his ear. But uh, So if you didn't watch the X-Files, you don't know what I'm talking about. But there's a thing called the black oil that is really alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a title called Helix, right. you instantly get into DNA type of stuff. Sure, sure. So uh, what was your perspective after watching this? What did you think of this? Definitely want to at least check it out the first episode. Um, Again, probably yeah. mostly because Ron D. Moore has his name attached to it. Exactly. I mean, I, I, you know, D Space Nine... Um, Battlestar Galactica, I love those shows. So 
because it has his name on it. I want to check it out at least. Yeah, but it it, it we, we have very little information about it so far. No, very much, and, and really, uh, we told you <laughs> we told you what we know. Right. So, well, Defiance. Get this, Defiance, Sci-Fi's pricey Defiance gives the network the best demo premiere since 2006. Oh. So so here's the original series. This original series tied into an even more expensive video game opens to a total of 2.7 million viewers. Good for the cable network, but shy of big returns needed to justify the investment. Mm -hmm. So great opening. Is it enough for Sci-Fi to continue dumping money into it? Aren't sure yet. Sure. Uh, if it continues as it is, maybe not. We need to get some more viewers. But uh, but here's the story. Sci-Fi's biggest original launch in years, Defiance, premiered Monday night. Some of you folks are watching and brought in a solid 2.7 million viewers in its first outing. That marked the network's best showing in total viewers since the 2009 opener of the top-rated original Warehouse 13. Among the adults, 18 to 49, the two-hour premiere fared even better. The 1.3 million a haul in the key demo was a network best since Eureka in 2006. Tied to the massively multiplayer online video game, the entire Defiance Endeavor has a hundred million price tag on it, making ratings expectations higher than usual for the cable network. As of Tuesday, Sci-Fi noted that Defiance's video game, a partnership with Tryon Worlds, had logged more than six million hours of play. In other demographics, Defiance averaged one point million in adults 25 to 54 that's 1.4 million and about 500,000 adults 18 to 34 over the course of monday and tuesday nights the series will premiere in over 55 countries the biggest day and launch date in nbcu nbc universal history sci-fi president david howell recently told the hollywood reporter that the project will be given time to succeed so that's important. Stephen Burke is a big cheerleader of this, he said, of NBCU, CEO. The project makes sense in the marriage of content and distribution. The game is obviously broadband hungry, from which Comcast perspective makes total sense for their broadband business. So kind of a partnership with some cable there. Moving forward, Defiance will air its regular one-hour format, 9 p.m. on Monday nights. April 29th sees Warehouse 13 join it on the schedule at 10 p.m. <laughs> So, uh, so two, so people that might turn into Warehouse 13, they're kind of pairing it kind of with it, mm -hmm. hoping that Defiance maybe picks up some of those viewers that tune a little bit early and say, oh, I'm kind of interested and intrigued. And the fact that they're rolling it out in how many other countries did they say? 55 other countries. They're banking in that to bring in business, both on the massive the multiplayer game front and also just to increase its viewership. Um, they're really hoping this becomes a moneymaker for them. Yes, and I saw the first hour of it. It's a very ambitious show, lots of different aliens. So I'm, you know, thinking the, the money for all the costumes and everything. It, it, it's a pricey looking show. Yeah. So it's it sounds interesting. It's certainly it's 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 one of the first. Uh, video game TV series crossovers. And my understanding is that people that play the video game can have a direct influence on how the actual TV series plays out. Okay. I, um, I, I know that, well, Defiance itself takes place what, what was St. Louis. I, I thought the video game was taking place another city in America. but It might, but somehow they impact. At least well, the original thought was they were going to impact the storyline. I don't know how feasible that is or how quick it is mm -hmm. or whether it's long overarching storyline. 
I mean, I don't know. Right. But it, let us know, listeners, if you're watching Defines what you think of it, one 508 4343 and we'll talk about it on a listener feedback show. Or if you're even playing it, just let us know what you think of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know anyone that's playing it, and I think that's kind of awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into some other uh, news. What else is on the dock as far as news goes? We have uh, the, the trailer for uh, um, The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Ooh. And... Um, is that the uh, is that the next piece of news? That's the next piece of news. Yes. Okay, uh, so let's watch it, and you'll listen to it. And there's, there's actually talking in this trailer. Okay, so it's not just you're hearing this beautiful music in the background. You should get an idea of what the movie's like. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and play. Ladies and gentlemen, the victors of the 74th Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen and Peter Malak. wants to save her skin. Simple as that. She has become a beacon of hope for them. So she has to be eliminated. What do you think? I agree she should die, but in the right way. At the right time. Candace Everdeen is a symbol. We don't have to destroy her, just her image. Show them that she is one of us now. Let them rally behind that. so much they might just kill her for you David, please please just help me get through this trip this trip doesn't end when you get back home so what do we do from now on your job is to be a distraction so people forget what the real problems are chins up smiles on You've given them an opportunity. They just have to be brave enough to take it. You saved my life. You gave me a chance. Yes, to live. No, to do something. We have to go, Gail, before they kill us. They will kill us. species must be eradicated. Her species, sir? The other victors. Because of her, they all pose a threat. Because of her, they all think they're invincible. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> this looks pretty good. Oh, it looks very good, yeah. You know, I know that... Did you read... You didn't read the novels, did you? No, I haven't. Uh, so I read all the novels, and this... The first two are pretty solid uh, novels. The third one will be interesting to see how they... How it translates to film, because mm-hmm. it might translate better than it does in the book for me. Okay. Um, and, I, and I heard that consensus from students and everything, but but this is a pretty... This is a pretty good trailer here. Oh, yeah. Um, the idea of revolution and... You know, they got who who's who's the guy that I can't remember his name, the Richard actor. Seymour Hoffman. Oh my gosh. The guy is a devil. Oh yeah. <laughs> he is a devil in everything. I, I've watched him play so many cold blooded evil villains. He does it so well. He does. You, you wanna hate him. Mm-hmm. But uh I think the first time I saw him as a villain was in um was MI uh, was MI three. Okay, yeah. MI3 was, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, 
that he was bad then, but mm-hmm. he's he plays such a terrible villain in almost everything he does. And you know, maybe they'll kill him for you. Line is just eerie. Do you, do you recognize the character he's playing in this? Um, no, uh, it's been a while since I've read the books, and I mean, obviously, there's the president mm-hmm. who's you know, Donald Sutherland's character. It's always good to see him do 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 stuff, and uh, sure. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this translates. I'll see this. Definitely, oh, yeah. Definitely in theaters. My wife is, well, after seeing the first movie, she's now been getting the audio books for, for the Hunger Games series. Oh, yeah. She's, I, I've, I've gone through the audio books. That's how I, that's okay. how I read them. Mm-hmm. The uh, November 22nd, that movie comes out. And uh, so you have a little bit to wait. Mm-hmm. So it'll come out about the time the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who comes out. So. <laughs> Which uh, you don't care about Miles, but but I do. I know there'll be others that do. There, there are those that do. Pour yourself a tall glass of Romulan ale. Miles is serving up the latest in Trek news on This Week in Star Trek. This week in Star Trek, we have the last trailer that uh, Hollywood will be uh, showing serious? us. Yes, yes. Before before the movie comes We're out, we're gonna play a Star Trek trailer. We just 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 one. Just just one. I mean, mm-hmm. we we've, we've never done this. I know. I don't want to overdo it, but you know. It's, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, so do, do you want to talk a little bit about it before we get into it? You just want me to play it, and then we'll talk about it. Well, I'll, I'll, there's the short clip, um, short little n- n- news uh, about it. Go ahead. The, the final, the final full length trailer for J.J. Abrams' Star Trek Into Darkness has been released, featuring a ton of new, <coughs> excuse me, footage, including the con- confrontation that leads to the Enterprise crashing down to Earth. Abrams is peeling back more and more with each passing trailer. This one shows off a lot a lot more. It's mostly focused on Benedict Cumberbatch's mysterious baddie, John Harrison, Kirk's Chris Pine, quest for the vengeance after he takes out Starfleet office in London. We get to see a face-off between the Enterprise and Harrison's ship, and the good guys are obviously outmanned. Anyone worried about th- those first few trailers being too earthbound, worry no longer. The film looks to be packed with, with space action. New footage also includes some new hints at Cumberbatch's true identity. Is it con? So give us your best guess, but, and uh, let's know what you think. And we'll put the trailer into the show notes as well, but let's go ahead and play it mm-hmm. and um, let's see what happens. You think you can't make mistakes? choices you make could get yourself and everyone under your command killed but i believe in you jim permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? Let's go get this son of a bitch. You are a poem, Kirk. Sir, there's a ship heading right for us. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. 
shall we begin? I'm sorry. Quite a different tone to this trailer. Yeah. Right? Because the last one, very a lot of comedy in the last one. A lot of funny little bits here and mm-hmm. humor. No humor. No, it's very dire. <laughs> yeah, this is dire. This is serious. And you notice how Chris, um, uh, Bruce, was Bruce Greenwood, the guy that plays um, mm-hmm. the Admiral, right? Right. You know, his characters are... I believe in you. And twice he says, I believe in you, Jim. But mm-hmm. I believe in you, Jim. And so there's a different feel from that angle. Sure. And, and, and what... What what ship is whatever it is it's, it's con flying if it's quote unquote con whatever it is it's freaking huge it's huge just like appears out of nowhere and like oh it looks like a Starfleet vessel but just maybe a third or twice the size of the Enterprise yeah yeah you know what um, here's the other thing the Enterprise isn't out because you see at the one clip the Enterprise mm-hmm. rising out of the ocean mm-hmm. right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know when the Enterprise is riding out of there, yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, it might crash, but it rises. There's something about that. Well, is it that scene? There, there's a scene in, in a trailer where the Enterprise is on its planet and they're kind of hiding underwater. Um, is that the Enterprise? I mean, so I, 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 think, I think they're trying to throw some misdirection at us, whether it's. The, the Enterprise rising out of the ocean out of that planet or, or out of Earth. We don't know. Oh, that, that is true. That is true. Yeah. I just want to, I think the Enterprise will rise again. I, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they're showing get the. I mean, how else are they going to take out Khan? I mean, or, or whoever it is. Yeah, whoever it is. John Harris. John Harris. But uh, it, it, obviously, in this movie, it's the crap kicked out of it. I mean, whether it gets destroyed or not, yeah. it's, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. No Robocop in this movie. No, definitely not. Not, not, in this tra- not in this trailer. No, no, no. Uh, no Peter Weller. No Peter Weller, no. no, no, no. Uh, but interesting, and that, that when, when he turns around and goes, I'm so sorry. Yeah. As it just, there were some good moments. I'm looking forward to this, Miles. When are we going to go see it? Um, When's it out? It, May 17th, so I'll pro- probably catch this the following Saturday. Probably the following Saturday. Mm-hmm. I might be able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we should schedule a time. We should. We should. We should uh, mm-hmm. reserve our tickets now. When do they go on sale? Uh, I, 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 we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll mm-hmm. definitely find out. Um, but let us know if you're interested. Uh, you, most of you listening are excited about Star Trek. Um, uh, are you going to go to the midnight premiere? Uh, let us know your thoughts when you do that, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll go on. I believe we have some other Star Trek news tonight. Yes, yeah, so some Star Trek authors uh, that we've met in the past at, at the conventions, and uh, I've read many of their, their novels. So Trek authors nominated for awards. Uh, and that would be uh, 
David Allen Mack and uh, Gregor Cox, two popular search authors, have been put nom- nominated for Scribe Awards. The Scribe Awards, which recognizes excellence in the field of writing for media tie-in franchises, are presented by the International Association Media Tie-in and Writers. The authors nominated are Greg Cox and David Mack. Cox was nominated in the original novel category for the Star Trek The Rings of Time, an original series story about a dilithium mining colony on, on, on Skagway, a moon of Klonike uh, 6, which is threatened by the disintegration of a Klonike 6's rings. Uh, Mac was nominated for Star Trek The Gener- Next Generation Cold Equations, book one, The Persistence of Memory. In The Persistence of Memory, Data's android brother, B4, has been stolen, and Captain Picard and his crew need to find out exactly why and by whom B4 was stolen. The Scribe Award winners will be announced in July at the San Diego Comic-Con. So uh, we definitely congratulate both Cox and Mac for their nominations. Yeah, they're excellent writers. And you, we've sat on, uh, I've sat in panels with Cox before, and we've uh, sat in on panels with David Allen Mack. We had David Allen Mack. We, we've interviewed yeah. him once on the show before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, nice. So we have not had Greg Cox on the show. No, we'll have to try maybe do it sometime. Yeah, well, why, why haven't we done that? We'll have to get on it. Isn't he the Mr. Time-Traveling Man? Um, that's no, that's, that's, that's another. He, he has written time travel novels, but um, but yeah, we'll have to see if we can interview Greg Cox sometime. He's a, he's a good author. Awesome, awesome, very good. Whoa! And uh, so, is that it for this week? That's Star it. Trek? That's it for this week. No Star more Trek. this week in Star Trek. Not a lot of stuff except talk about the movie. And um, you 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 were fortunate enough to hear about the these guys getting these nominations. Yeah, absolutely. I think it came with. I think it came through on Facebook actually. Okay. Probably thanks to Jim Arrowwood. I'm guessing. Okay. So good, good. thank you, Jim. Um, well, let's move into our last promo tonight. And our last promo tonight is from the Liberate Podcast, a Continuum podcast. And uh, Continuum is, I believe, alive and well in Canada. And we will be getting that probably next year. And I cannot wait. Oh, me too. You know, I just thought, I was thinking when we were talking about virtuality by Rondi Moore, the, um, the, the one guy that's living on a boat, I think he was in virtuality. Okay. I was trying to remember. I thought that's where I saw him before, but I could be totally wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that think he was. I could look it up and I'd it's, be, but that'd be way too easy. Right, right. <laughs> Let's see if we can find that in our memories. Yes, right, right. Mm-hmm. I, mine, mine's failing desperately. Anyways, here's the promo for the Liberate Continuum podcast. Hey, this is Mike and Dave from Liberate, a Continuum podcast at continuumpodcast.com. And our future selves came back in time to tell us we need to get more listeners because apparently in 2020, Continuum is just a few viewers shy of a new record for the highest rated, longest running Canadian sci-fi show in history. Yeah, plus they told us that our podcast will eventually interview all of the various cast members, but they still haven't scored one with Rachel Nichols. So help us out, will you? Listen to Liberate, a Continuum podcast with Mike and Dave. Subscribe on iTunes or go to continuumpodcast.com. The future is in your hands. We had this interview that we were doing with Lee Ehrenbergen. And actually, let me just back up. I was not there for the interview. It was you and David Moulton. Tell me how this interview went down. Uh, we, we had the opportunity to talk to him over at Farpoint uh, Sunday morning. And Lee Lee is a fantastic guy. If, he, if you're at a convention, um, 
make it a point to say hi to him. He's open to you know get your, get your picture with you. Uh, last time I saw him at Con, some somebody got him to talk on his cell phone as his Pintel character from Pirates. So he is a very fan friendly guest. Um, and so yeah, that, that, you, you'll, you'll enjoy. I, I heard some of his session. His session was very enjoyable. But yeah, we had a nice interview with him. Um, his career has gotten better now. Absolutely. So, so he, he has a regular part in the, uh, the Once Upon a Time show. It's right. grumpy. So, um, so yeah. Um, did we, he remember you, Miles? I don't know if he did or not. I didn't didn't ask. I was you know yeah. no, no 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 need for that. But um, he he was funny one time. Well, when. We're getting our pictures taken with them. The lady was saying, you should try to smile more. And he goes, I bet they'll smile if I grab their butts, you know? <laughs> and so uh, he was, you know. Okay, now try and look like you're having fun. <laughs> Am I the only one smiling? <laughs> oh, these guys are in awe of you or something. I don't know. I've got a grin on I'm going to use smile. Guys. I'm grabbing their ass right now. Oh. Okay. There we go. Okay. Made us break, you know, a little bit, so... <laughs> So it may not be so serious. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, we hope you enjoy our interview. Again, this is from uh, Farpoint, uh, tw- uh, tw- uh, tw- I was going to say 2012, but 2013, and, right. um, and from the 20th anniversary of sure. Farpoint. And so thank you to Farpoint for making this happen. Is there really the reason that uh, you're, here, you're getting this interview tonight? Right. So we hope you enjoy. So let me get this straight. You've got a twin brother? Yeah. His name is James? Right. Well, your name is James. No, actually, it's not. It's Charming, then? No, that's the nickname I gave him. Hold on. What the hell is your name? David. Your curse name? My real name. What, you're David, James, and Charming? Or David's like a middle name? No, it's my name name. You know what? I'm going to call you whatever I damn well please. That okay? Sure, Leroy. So what's the plan? Me the giant away from here so he can't hurt anyone. Wait, if we keep heading in this direction, we're going to hit the town line? Okay, new plan. What are you doing? Giving him what he wants. Anton! How about we make a deal? I don't make deals with humans. Uh, Just hear me out. I'll surrender myself to you if you spare the lives of everyone in Storybrooke. David, you can't do this. If I don't, the whole town will suffer. I can't allow that. Well, what do you say? Deal. Fantastic. Didn't stay up too late. That's good. have no con, Sunday con funk. Not too bad, actually. That's me. I was at the diner at 3 a.m. trying to find food. So. Mm. Yeah, I sort of knew I wasn't going to be finding food late night at this joint. So, didn't hit the booze hard. Hit it harder on Friday. Yeah. For some reason, it seemed like everyone went crazy on Friday yeah. night. Yeah. Booze and karaoke go well together. That's what I mean. It's the only way to do it, right? It's the only way to do it. Um... And plus, when I fly in from L.A., that first night, it's like I'm not ready to go to bed, yeah. you know? Even at, like, 5 in the morning, I'm still wide awake. Uh, if you ever need food, don't... There's a... Tell your hand or an Audible's diner is right around the corner, literally. Oh, uh, cool. It's awesome diner, all, uh, open all night. Dude, they have the... Didn't... Wasn't diner set in Baltimore? 
If it was at the Belmont. My mom's my mom's from Beemore. Okay. She's I have you know she she was a absolutely she was well she it's there's been the migration because she grew up sort of like Pimlico Mm -hmm. and then uh, then they became Pikesville Jews then Owings Mills Jews and then I don't know which way they're where they're going now. That's what happened to all the Jews in Baltimore. Yep. And uh, (laughs) my grandpa my grandpa had a produce stand at Bear Market for like I don't know sixty years or something like that. You know Bear Market. So I'm from Hamden. So I think it's a great place. Love it. Great people. Very interesting mix of uh, America here. It's definitely, you know, you could you could feel the history of that, the Civil War, the Mason Dix. You can feel the, the hunt for John Wilkes Booth when you fly in over the. Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, oh, of course Edgar. Well, I just always think of Cusack now. Yeah. We're not far from Gettysburg. Yep, Gettysburg. Been there. I mean, I think the first time I came to Baltimore would have been about 1968. I was five or six years old, and uh, I remember I remember there was curfew on and pretty dangerous time around here. The city, I mean, the country was going through the unrest. Yeah, I remember going out to Annapolis and them saying you had to be off the road by 6 p.m. And literally jeeps and tanks and trucks and stuff were cruising the streets of pretty much the whole country mm-hmm. at that time because of the racial well, tension. And you want to do your... Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah do. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not quite as interesting as probably what we'll discuss, but it was all Oh, right. no, this is fun, too. But... Uh, I have listeners I have to take care of. Here we go. Um, I'll give you a short introduction, and I have a bunch of questions. And Great, love it. Ghost. Sure, I love right. it. Thank, take yeah, thank, thanks for taking time to do this. Of course. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're at uh, Farport 2013, and we're hanging out with Mr. Lee Ehrenberg, well-known for his work on Pirates of the Caribbean, and can be seen playing Grumpy on ABC's Once Upon a Time. Mr. Ehrenberg, welcome, and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Very happy to be here. Thanks so much. Oh. When we talked to you back in 2010... You took us to school, and I mean that in a good way, about the recession and how it affected Hollywood. You gave us the inside baseball of what was going on. Has things gotten better, in your opinion, or is, is Hollywood still feeling the, the sting of the recession? I think Hollywood's uh, bounced back a little bit. I mean, I think the economic model has changed in Hollywood, and it's constantly evolving. Um, I, it's a weird thing. I think that is in, is in the nature of what's happened in America. I think some of the big boys have gotten stronger, and some of the little fish have either consolidated together to become big fish or but if you think about it it's still it's still a big boy game in Hollywood right now less of the independent film the probably the big difference is again still the independent film and how they get financed mm-hmm. um, but in terms of like for my career right now I mean I t- I'm working for the corporations and so there's work to be had within the studio and the network system are doing a lot of shows and I think that's always good for Hollywood good yeah good. And we're glad to see you on a regular TV series. I know. Thanks, guys. You know, yeah, it's a, first of all, it's it's a really fun show to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Not only because I'm a fan of the genre, mm-hmm. but I'm just a fan of the people I get to work with on a daily basis. I get to go up to, we shoot up in Vancouver, which is, I mean, if you've never been up to British Columbia, it's just a magical kind of place. Mm-hmm. It rains a lot. It's ringed by mountains. It's like a, it's like San Francisco or Portland, um, but ringed by sort of alpine like it's really a primeval forest, mm-hmm. is what it is. So it's there's a quality to the air and a crispness and a freshness that, even though we're constantly out in the cold and the damp, um, it's gorgeous at least. So you have a great you know a great work environment. Absolutely, but I, I try and make. I think that's one of the keys. Listen, I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Got to be the most shallow, egotistical business there is to be involved in, right? So you owe it to the karmic universe to. You're asking, say, hey, give me, 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 put the emphasis on me, 
uh, a part in a show, a good part. Well, all, all the universe asks you is if it does happen, please enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Please enjoy it for the people that don't get the opportunity. So one thing about being a dreamer, which I happen to be, which is the irony that my guy's name is Dreamy, um, you're doing it sometimes for the people who can't, who didn't get the opportunity, where the timing wasn't right. Maybe they had their kids young. Someone was sick in the family and they couldn't necessarily pursue something they loved. I was just dumb enough. I had parents great enough and teachers that inspired me enough as a young man to live my dream out. I never forget that. I always try and pass that on in a positive way. I'm very thankful for what I have, not what I don't have. I don't ask, I don't ask the universe for a Mercedes. Because right. I would figure God would look down at me and go, dude, you look so much better in a Jaguar. You know? <laughs> so just help me with the ability to do that, and then I'll take it from there. I, I, I find your positive outlook very inspiring. Thanks. I mean, I honestly have... This is my natural outlook. I'm naturally an optimist. And I think it, it's, it's very advantageous in my business. Sure. Because we're like actors. It's very ironic that you say no actors or dogs allowed. Because actors are very much like dogs. Because we both live on hope. Mm-hmm. You know? There's always that chance. And I know so many people... Um, in, in the business that just one little string of hope keeps them in the game. Mm-hmm. And then that magic roll happens for them. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a constant. I was saying this in, in one of my panels yesterday about what we do as human beings is we're so anxious to get through that door, the metaphoric door of success. And frequently it closes right in front of our face. Like we get so close and then whatever it is that's holding us back, that door closes. The important thing is if you stay right up trying to get through that door, you don't realize the 10 that have opened around it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you got to take a couple steps back, check in at the Hotel of Humility, and then make your next move. Instead of reacting so much from ego and so much from... We take it too personal these days. And all, Look at our politicians. Those guys are the worst egomaniacs I've ever seen. They make Hollywood look like a bunch of guys that, don't, that have zero ego. Mm-hmm. You know, We can't get together for the common good we allow splinter issues in our nation to divide us from the really important thing. For example, how many people realize that the weather satellite is all going out in a year? You won't have any three-day, five-day, seven-day forecast. You won't have any Doppler radar. Why? Because the, the what words can I say that would be proper, but the knuckleheads, perhaps, that are sort of running right now, haven't done anything about it. And it's going to be too late. 53 months to replace the satellites. And it's going out in 2014, and they haven't done one thing. So they'll be surprised. So it's all out there for us to know. Mm-hmm. The, the damage, what's going on in our food chain, the damage, what's going on in, in terms of GMOs and all these things they're doing to us. Not they, we, but in the name of profit or in the name of arrogance. And I think that's one good thing that I can use in the bully pulpit of being an actor. Because Warren Buffett says it best. Warren Buffett, they go, hey, Mr. Buffett, so great to meet you. He goes, why? I'm not a teacher or a nurse. You know, and I, 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 I'll go one step further. I mean, first responders, uh, the soldiers, uh, a good housewife. Hardest job in America is raising the kids. The most important job in America is raising the kids. If I hear one more mother or father that is the primary caregiver at home say that they don't work, I'm going to laugh right in the face. I have the hardest job. How many parents that are, you know, when they get away to work, even if they don't love their job, are like, oh, thank God, at least I got out of the... The domestic, you know? Excuse me, guys. This is my jazzy. Uh, this is my alarm saying i got to do an interview. 
Hey, he, made, he made it early. <laughs> well, I, I've got a question for you about Please. once upon a time, but, but something you said before and, and mm-hmm. the way that you're talking, I'd like to backtrack just, sure. just a second. Talking about Hollywood and mm-hmm. how it's changed with the economy and stuff, I've um, noticed that a lot of the filming has left L.A. for like oh, yeah. Mexico, Georgia, New York. Uh, do you think that Hollywood as a place is dying and not necessarily as, like, when people talk Hollywood, it's more spread out now than really just... Well, Hollywood always was a, more of a concept than a place. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hollywood's like a five-block or ten-block or twenty-block district of Los Angeles. But, you know, the actual... I always say I'm from Hollywood because it kind of represents an international uh, energy of entertainment, of storytelling, of that. So I, in that sense, yeah, absolutely, I agree. I don't think it's dying, the actual L.A. per se. Uh, California is a heavily taxed state, and a lot of the work leaves for tax incentives. They'll go ahead and give kickbacks to the production dollar for dollar based on hiring people within, say, Michigan or wherever the incentives are set up. Now you'll also find out that now with the economy being tough, uh, a lot of these places are rolling back those incentives and losing work, like British Columbia, for example. There's a big thing in Vancouver about saving BC film because the premier of British Columbia has done away with the tax incentives, so all the work's going to Toronto or going to other places in Canada. Here in the States, it goes to Louisiana, North Carolina. To me, honestly, it doesn't matter just because I live in L.A. I mean... Essentially, what you do—not to compare anything actors do with the are on duty military—but I call it the Hollywood military because you tend to get deployed somewhere for the, as long as they need you. They tell you basically when to eat, when to wake up, all that kind of stuff. But uh, obviously, you're slightly better compensated, than, than, and you only die uh, emotionally. And if Rex Reed tears you a new one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, moving back to our once upon a time, the question: sure. how, how did you land your role on the show? You know, it's interesting. I think I might have been the only guy that read. I think they just had an idea that I, I was their guy. Uh, so I went in and uh, basically had a few scenes and did an audition, and then they hired me, basically on tape. Read for the casting director, Veronica uh, Rooney, in, in Hollywood at Disney. And uh, it actually happened very, very quickly, the, the getting landing the pilot and going off and shooting it. Cool. Basically one of those where you, you hear about it, you go, and the next day you're gone, basically. So it was pretty pretty exciting. I didn't quite realize just how cool it was going to be. Um, and then once you read that first, the pilot script, it was just so interesting, the fact that we have more than one character. And the acting challenges are great and super fun um, to be able to play the two characters and have the diverse, uh, I don't know, kind of mindset of, well, before the curse, after the curse. Very clever, in my opinion. Just to piggyback back on that, I noticed that on on TV there's more shows sort of that sci-fi fantasy type like Once Upon a Time and Groom on the Air. I would think with more intelligent projects like that, it, it's got to be a good time to be an actor. I think it's a great time to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, we're very, very lucky to be acting in the modern age and the age of cinema and the age of television. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to do what we do, and we get well compensated in terms of our ego stroke and, and financially stroke. Um, but at the end of the day, all you really want to do is work. All you really want to do is do something that's going to entertain people. You know, listen, I, I always tell this to my, to my audience, you know, acting... The, uh, I hate it, that in, in no. true, but um, there's uh, Chris Shop. Uh, Can we step outside? Sorry. 
Sorry about that. I, I hate to intrude, but we don't really drink before 10 o'clock in the morning, do we? Literally, we hit the booze, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he seem like he was a little twitchy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so I lost my train of thought, but I'm just saying that the opportunities to work with all the new media, and, and if you're a young artist right now, the opportunity to kind of do your own work and YouTube it or get it on the air on your own, um, I mean, the sky's the limit right now. That's true. These people like the Lena Dunhams and the people that are kind of coming out of nowhere showing their genius with not the typical kind of, say, classic Hollywood good looks, basing it more on talent and, and true ability. I mean, maybe, maybe some of the cream is finally going to be able to rise to the top. Uh, if IMDb is to be trusted, it looks uh, then in, in Pirates of Caribbean 3, they have 13 cast members confirmed. Can, can we... Uh, you mean in Pirates 5? Pirates 5, yeah. Uh, I don't think... I can't imagine they... they don't, I mean, they don't have a script, so I don't see how they confirm okay. any actors. Yeah, I just looked... Am it, I confirmed? I saw your picture there. In, oh, in, well, in, great. In, in <laughs> okay, I'm in then. Yeah, so anyway, it's confirmed. Hopefully from my mouth. No, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I tell you something, that, those movies were not only so much fun to make, mm-hmm. um, but not being in the fourth one really was not cool to me emotionally and... I mean, career-wise, whatever, that's, you know, Hollywood doesn't really care what I think, but in terms of, like, just a personal disappointment, that was about as sad as I got ever, you know, to not be in that. And it it would have been one thing had I thought, that well, I was never going to be in it, but I was not in it, then it was like, oh, there's a possibility, oh, and then yeah, and then no, and then yeah, I mean, it was one of those, it was like, it's a tough business emotionally, and the problem is, is that occasionally you want something and you really kind of need it, um, and if it doesn't happen, how you handle it is really a key. For me, I did not handle it well emotionally. Um, but it led to a real breakthrough for me because I realized, boy, I really should just be, I got to rediscover the love. Mm-hmm. I can't go through life being a bitter pill. The person that was too close to the door was me, right? And in that stepping back away from that closing of the door, I rediscovered loving acting. I rediscovered loving actors. I rediscovered... I'd never studied film acting before, right? See, I started a theater company when I was in college called The Actors Gang with Tim Robbins, uh, Lawrence Olivier's son. I mean, Jack Black came out of our group. A lot of, lot of, lot of talented people. Um, and I got my, my Hollywood... My first 20-something years in Hollywood were sort of based and started on the fact that I was in one of the top theater companies and I was doing this kind of cutting-edge avant-garde theater that... A, was great fare for uh, um, and a great way for the industry to meet see some new talent but at the same time it kind of squeezed me dry mm-hmm. a little bit in a little bit of a histrionic and over the top style that was not the style of movie making and not the style of the hyper reality of the, of, of the acting that's required now on television and film so there I am like dead in the water no, no, no wind in the sails really desperately needing the P4 didn't happen then it happened, and so emotionally, I went over the falls a little bit. And to dig myself out, I realized, no, you know what the way to do this? I couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. It happens, you know? You just, you're just ter- you terrible at auditions, I'll admit it. I, I, was, I could not act my way out of a wet paper bag. I would get nervous. I would get flop sweat when my manager or agent would say, hey, I got an audition tomorrow. I'm the most cocky guy you've ever met in terms of what I do as an actor. Very confident, right? For whatever reason... Uh, that disappointment, I couldn't handle it emotionally, right? We're timing out. Um, so anyway, I got myself in class. I saw the light mm-hmm. and 
that's why I'm so proud of Once Upon a Time because I feel like what they've written for me as that character, the kind of leading man character uh, guy, was a manifestation of actually work. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could directly look at it and say, this is a product of actually having achieved something. So the ownership of the success of my career right now um, is way more satisfying than it's been at any point. Because at one point it was gone mm-hmm. in my own mind. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Anytime, you guys. I'll see you in three years. Now, who's ready for dessert? Sci-Fi 5 and 5, where we bring you the top five, the worst five, of anything in science fiction or fantasy, in five minutes or less. It is time for our Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and it's my understanding, Miles, that tonight, 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 you came up with a Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and it is based on this classic movie. Mm-hmm. Of Fifth Element. Exactly. We'll be reviewing that uh, later, but it's got some great quotes in there. Uh, Fifth Element, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it, it is about, you know, the end of the world, but at the same time, it's it, 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 there's a lot of comedy in this movie. And so, uh, but there's some good quotes in there, some serious, some not so serious. And so I found some, some good quotes, not, and they're not in any particular order. Yeah. All right. Very good. So uh, why don't you take the odds? I'll take the evens. Okay. That sounds good. Again, quotes from Fifth Element. So number five, the police are knocking at his door. Are you classified as a human? And Dallas says, negative. I'm a meat popsicle. I love that line. (laughs) That's a great line. Mm -hmm. Zorg says, I don't like warriors. Too narrow-minded. No subtlety. And worse, they fight for hopeless causes. Honor? Honor's killed millions of people, and it hasn't saved a single one. Right. (laughs) And uh, number three uh, is from Lilo. I don't know love. I was built to protect, not love. So there is no use for me other than this. <laughs> oh, that's kind of a sad scene. It is but, a sad. but a beautiful scene at the very end of that. Right. DJ Ruby Ron, one of the most classy characters, um, and totally Chris Rock. Um, what's wrong with you? What are you screaming for? Every five minutes there's something. I'm bomb or something. I'm leaving. <laughs> and a priest, uh, Vito Cornelius. You're a monster, Zorg. And Zorg says, I know. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. again, some real good lines in that movie. And mm-hmm. if you haven't watched Fifth Element, maybe in a long time, maybe maybe one you want to check out. We're going to be rewinding that and releasing that in the upcoming weeks. Yeah. We'll be talking about mm-hmm. that. And uh, if you have your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, uh, like you heard them say, call in. Let us know what your top five quotes. It could be from any show. It could be top quotes, period. And, and it doesn't have to be quotes. I mean, quotes is something we've been hitting hard on a lot, but it could be the best Top five of anything. It could be the worst top five. And we love those, too. It could be the best spandex outfits. I, I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. <laughs> you are now. <laughs> oh, well, well, Miles, thank you so much for joining us tonight for the show. And My I pleasure. think it's about it time for us to uh, clear the tables and uh, get set up for the Sci-Fi Rewind. So we're going to shut down for a little bit. And we'll be back here in just a little bit. And we hope you enjoyed the show. All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We will see ya. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, 
or tell us what you're watching or reading. Flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com.